You're Paul. I'm the new Sprintern. Ah, uh, Sprint Plus. Intern. Yeah, clever, right? I'm gonna look at getting an amazing iPhone 8. Yeah, because they have an all-glass design, advanced cameras. I'm going to uh, going to give your second phone to your new friend. Wow, Paul. Now lease one iPhone 8 and give a second one on us. Visit your local Sprint store, Sprint.com/iPhone, or call 1-800 Sprint One today. iPhone 8, 64 gigabyte, 29.17 a month. Second iPhone 8 after 29.17 a month. Credit applied within two bills. Requires two new lines or one new and one upgrade with 18 month leases. Early termination results and full balance due. Exclusive tax subject to credit and third activation restrictions apply. You're locked into Inception Radio Network, Superior, Wisconsin. From aliens to ghosts, demons to angels, and from shadow people to the outlandish, Heidi Hollis the Outlander, Outlander, Outlander. Welcome, welcome to my awesome Friday evening. You're listening to me, Heidi Hollis, the Outlanders. Welcome to the show, everybody. Oh, this is going to be a lot of fun tonight. You guys, you know, you know, sometimes I get these really interesting people on and you're going to really enjoy this one tonight. I am going to tell you what this show is about because if you are new to me, you need to be informed. This show is about bringing outlandish and interesting topics to the forefront from aliens, angels, ghost demons, holy encounters, shadow people, to Bigfoot, to the outlandish. I always say if it's weird, we're here, and now you are too, so you are among friends. If you do not know who I am, well, how dare you? <laughs> but when it comes to the outlandish... Personally, I'm someone who has been there, seen that, experienced it, freaked out, found some answers, wrote about it, got over it, and now I'm hoping to help others do the same darn thing and understand this kooky, kooky, fun, freaky world of ours. I dare you to go to my main website. I don't even know if my parents have seen it in recent years. Um, <laughs> HeidiHollis.com. You're going to find things there that are just mind-blowing. Just mind-blowing. And uh, I have a YouTube channel, Facebook, Twitter. All that stuff is up there. Uh, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter. Just put a one. So, at one, Heidi Hollis. That literally the number one. And uh, you will find me. And I want to tell you guys how you can hear this program. Because I, I think it's pretty darn awesome. And, and honestly, most of you guys do take advantage of the Inception Radio Network app. What is that? Well, it's just an app. <laughs> You can hear the show live. You can hear my recorded shows and, yeah, all that good stuff. This is considered a live broadcast show. People say, oh, your podcast. I'm like, no, it's considered live broadcast. We just happened to record it so you can listen to it later, too. So isn't that fantastic? And most of you do seem to listen through the app. But we've got, gosh, we're on iHeart. We're everywhere. We're, we're everywhere. So you can check us out so many different ways. And... Probably the easiest way to listen to us, if you're old school especially, or if your internet sucks, you can just dial a number and just listen. Put it on speakerphone. That is 712-770-8888. And I always welcome you guys to call into the show, which is 1-888-919-2355, or you can Skype your comments and questions to Inception Radio Network. But again... I realize that most of you guys do not listen to this show live, which is fine. I, I forgive you. So uh, <laughs> so you might not hear a whole lot of calls that come in live because people like to listen on their 
own darn time, which is fine again. Um, <laughs> so, anywho, and oh, oh, you guys got to go into the Inception Radio Network chat room. That is irnchat.com. And uh, there's some folks in there right now. And I see Bean, I see Bonnie, MJ. Well, MJ, that's a stranger if I ever heard a name. Um, <laughs> He's the producer, okay? So that's really him. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's, you know, we got a lot of different things going on here at Inception Radio Network. And uh, my goodness, I don't know if there's any orifice they have not reached into. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, that was bad. <laughs> oh, God, look, I got a dry spot. So, anyways, tonight, because I do have. To- guests joining me um we're going to forego the outlandish corner and that is where i answer your emails and your comments and whatnot to whatever it is that you're experiencing out there out of the ordinary that i lend some level-headed advice to without being a psychic or a guru but i do sprinkle some jesus on it which is uh yeah that's that's a given so anywho you can write me with your experiences, I don't care what it is. If Bigfoot is uh, going through your trash every night and you're just sick of it, um, <laughs> we'll come up with some Bigfoot repellent spray. I don't know, but we'll think of something. And <laughs> we'll do it together. Shadow people, ghosts, aliens, anything and everything out of the ordinary. Just write me at dus, D-A-S, outlander at gmail.com. Or go to my Facebook page at one Heidi Hollis. Put a one in front of my name, and uh, yeah, I will. I will get down to it, groovy, and uh, I will address it. So, anyways, I am going to get on to introducing who my guests will be this evening. Kenneth and Farah Rose Deal. They are a rare husband and wife team with a combined eighty plus years. They are both one hundred and fifty years old. I'm just kidding. <laughs> years actual experience and related studies in spiritual warfare counselors, field investigators, educators, Catholic apologists, and evangelists, or as the mainstream public refers to them as religious demonologists, taken on all cases of infestation, oppression, possession, from investigation phase to the close of the case. Everybody, round of applause for Kenneth and Farah Deal. Come aboard, guys. How the heck are you two doing this evening? Freezing our frigid little toesies off. Oh, it's cold where you're at, huh? 12 degrees, okay? At least we're not getting the snow. Wow. Where are you at? We're not in the Bible belt. We are in the Bible buckle. (laughs) Springfield, Missouri. Springfield. Nice. Yeah, we're in city of the United States that has the most number of churches per capita than anywhere in the world. Wow. An infestation? I'm just kidding. Total. 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 (laughs) That's cool. I mean, hey. Churches during the week to mass. (laughs) (laughs) My goodness. That's not all of our parishes, but uh, that's kind of funny that, you know, they're all five minutes from, from us. Oh, my goodness. Yep. So you you two have both been dabbling in this stuff for a long time. Has it always been as a team? No, that was only since we met each other and uh, immediately we started talking about that topic, which is refreshing because you just can't talk to anybody about it, especially a beautiful woman. So and, how uh, long ago did the, did you join forces, I should ask? <laughs> Eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Eight, you said? Yes. Oh, okay. All right. So 
Well, gosh, what are the odds of that, that you two, well, cross paths? I mean, didn't you cover one half of the state and she had the other? And what, you just met and go, this is meant to be? How'd this happen? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Actually, um, I covered uh, New Mexico, California, Washington, Texas, and Michigan before meeting him. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, he was all over the place. He was originally from St. Louis, and we ended up meeting on one of those quirky little uh, Christian dating sites accidentally looking for a friend because we were bored. It was Halloween, and mm. you know, it was just one of those things, and it's like kismet. He couldn't shut up, and I couldn't stop listening, and here I am. <laughs> wow. That is, what are the odds of that? That is, that's mind-blowing. I, I meet so many people that are, that are into these topics, and it, it's a lonely, uh, uh, drudging, difficult thing to do because they're always working it alone. The, the wife doesn't get it, or the husband doesn't get this, and it, that's really, that's kind of cool that you two have merged the way that you have. That's awesome. It's bizarre, Heidi. It's really bizarre. The majority of people that we meet, um, especially the members of the opposite sex, have difficulty, you know, in relationships and relating yeah. to people. And, and it's very, very difficult to be able to um, invest in so many other people beside yourselves and then still have something left for your family and, and your main relationship, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Ken meeting me, he, he couldn't believe that I been through the stuff he was you know just like what and i was like oh yeah you've you done that oh boy wow <laughs> and it was really it was almost like we both wrote the same exorcist movie except in different languages so we were like comparing notes going yeah 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 uh-huh, sure yeah okay whatever well, hold on do, do you guys step on each other's toes because if you're both used to being the solo kind of center of attention you know, does one seem to take over versus the other? I mean, is that was that hard to get used to? Like, hey, I do that. <laughs> it's kind of like, okay, you know, I, I should let Ken talk for a little bit, but I think it's easier to understand that it, for whatever reason, Heidi, especially you know how you do radio, you understand that there's give and take. Well, right. we both can't specify, you know, okay, well... I'm going to take I'm going to take the land. I'm going to go, you know, check out the property. Okay, well, I'm going to go into the attic. We both have areas of expertise where we just we're just like little pointers. It's like we're little dogs that you turn loose on on the birds and it's like, you know, I might take the tail end, he'll take the front or I'm going to stick right in the middle of the pack and he's going to hop up in the tree. We both are like pointers when we're set in a place or with people. So we both have, have our ways of just going to where the need is to find out what's going on. And I think that pretty much sums it up. What do you think, Ken? Yep. <laughs> He's, um, I have a feeling this is how the evening's going I'm, to roll. <laughs> and I'm supposed to be the one that's sick and laying in bed, okay? What's up with that? <laughs> what's up with that? My goodness. So, okay. (laughs) So, so what are your different expertise? Are you visualizing Ken with his little pointy tail, like a little, you know, little pointer out in the field (laughs) and his ponytail blowing in the wind? Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Okay, Ken. So, so what's what's your specialty, Ken? What, What is it that you seem to excel at when you have these these demon-like cases coming at you. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, yeah. I mean, even the, um, on the other things that we do, uh, you know, like art, we're even artists, but we're different artists. So we complement each other with 
the things I do or can do and uh, music, you know, it's like, oh, we're, we're both singers, but I guess that brings to the broadcast voice too. And, and that, um, you know how the difference between men and women is men will like rely on a gut feeling or they'll use a logical choice and, and they, uh, uh, on that part, because we go in like a police investigation, that will always be there. Um, we both do the thing where we rely and, uh, and you know, we don't have pre-canned questions when we interview people, for example. And the reason is, is because one question gives another. Sometimes yeah. it comes from an impression of something you see, something you hear, but you just go, you go with the flow, you keep going. And then when that one question prompts the other one, we ask a question, we get at the truth quicker. If I just did pre-canned questions, I'd be sitting there all day like that guy, you know, with the, uh, the litmus test. And, you know, I, I'm sure it would be really boring, like being an I, IRS auditor. But sure. I, it's kind of like the crime scene investigation. Let's ask questions that are more relevant to the person, the case. And then when you're trying to get at the truth, you, you don't ask the pre-canned stuff just because you want to fill out your paperwork and go home. And um, so, the, you know, the, I guess the, the difference between men and women logical side, you can say, um, I get some sort of, uh, you know, kind of a backdrop of uh, going to place and making a personal reference. I'm trying to think of so how much. Okay, how let, me, let me let me um, let me see if I can help you here, honey. Yeah. All right, hi. Let's just take a besides intuitive just, and whatever it's like. Just I, uh, I yeah. Know. A sample visitation of uh, mm -hmm. reference, you know, from one of the local teams or something that mm -hmm. it, most of the time, Heidi, um, sad but true, we are called in because lots of solutions have been tried and nothing's been working. And it, the people are kind of like dogs chasing their tails are just like, you know, we, we, we mm -hmm. don't know what's going on. You know, we're trying to figure out what's going on. Nothing's working, et cetera, et cetera. Come out and help us. Mm -hmm. So after we start with an initial intake and Ken's usually pretty good at that on the phone. I'm really not one for initial intakes because I don't want to talk to people. I want to jump in their face so I can see and read and feel what's going on right then and there. Because um, sometimes yeah. a lot of times when you get people on the phone, they are very, very wonderful charmers and you know, they right. could totally make you believe that the sun's out and you know, the temperature is fine and hop in your bikini and go in your backyard. Nobody's looking and you find out, you know, the neighbors are watching it's snowing and you're an idiot. <laughs> right. So, I hear you. And they could paint a nice picture for you and it's like, that's not true. So, so are you telling me that you, you have a, uh, uh, a psychic like intuition? No, or? no, not, no, 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 no. Okay, no, not you're talking all. about your your gut, the feel, I'm the vibe. About uh, I'm I'm the uh, I'm the little hound he has on a leash. I'm a bloodhound, and uh, looking I can, for the truth. I can smell it without stepping in it. Let me just put it that way. Mm, okay, the dark the dark crap. Yeah, basically, exactly. It, it has it has a smell, it has a footprint, and yeah. where Khan is more the logical reasoning type, you know, mm -hmm. tearing away, you know, the structure of a of a a story or or you know what's happened, you know, I'm heading right to the heart of the matter because I want to. We want to get people to a place of peace as soon as possible, of and course. we don't want to sit there and waste anybody's time. Who's got well, Usually they're in pain and they're, you know, right. they're not sleeping in there. So how are you finding these people? How are they getting themselves into the trouble that you're finding most often? Like, what are they, how are they opening themselves up? Usually occult, magic, 
trying trying to practice something and dabble with things that they just don't quite understand. Right. Uh, a couple people have actually been cursed by others, and we're just kind of like, you know, what did I do to deserve this? Mm-hmm. Um, others, you know, I think yeah, the majority of it, the majority of it is basically they're playing with things they shouldn't play with. They're yeah. inviting spirits in. We have such a, a sad, strange fascination with inviting anything that's supernatural. If it's a cockroach that's moving around on a potato chip bag and they think it's a spirit, they're running in the kitchen going, oh, give me a sign you're there. <laughs> no. Shut your mouth and stop playing with it. It's a cockroach. Kill it. And yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I am finding that people love to be scared. They love to dabble in this stuff and just take a peek like they're bored with this reality. And they just want something else to reach in at them. And, well, darkness seems pretty easy to reach into. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Why can't you look more to the light? It's like, yeah, God's not going to dance a jig for you, you know, to entertain you. But, you know, the devil might. Mm-hmm, something evil may come along. But... Why is that so inviting to people? Why do you think that is? Oh, morbid curiosity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that uh, when, when MTV was big, everybody wanted that MTV experience. So I made a lot of money and friends, et cetera, in the 80s because they, we delivered what they wanted. And maybe before that or you know, uh, halfway through the 90s, it started tapering off that desire because when they watched all these, you know, top 20 MTV videos and most of them were concerts and they were so stereotype. You always, you know, show it to drummer, you know, the hair bands. He was twirling his drumsticks, looking at the camera, sticking his tongue out sometimes. Then you get that Steve Vai licking the guitar neck. You know what I mean? So now we have haunted stories that mm-hmm. make people, well, I want some of that. This is exciting. So it's, it's like they're porn. Yeah, I, I think it's sad. It's it's really sad. You know, I, I have six books published. Only two of them are on doc, dark topics, and that is all I get called about. I'm like, you know, <laughs> I'm like, come on now. You know, it, it, I started to bargain with some of these media people. Like, okay, you want me to talk about the demons? Well, I'm going to talk about my Jesus book first, and then we'll get into the <laughs> demons. You know, it's sad, but you got, and then they're like, dang it, really? Do we have to? I'm like, yeah, because I'm really needing to talk about Jesus tonight. So, <laughs> I mean, but it, it's mind-blowing, but it's it's sad to me that that is, you know, people love to be scared. I, I just, uh, I get it, but then I, I don't want to get it. <laughs> you know, I think it goes beyond being scared. I think that there is, um, I, I think that our our primitive desire just to be recognized and heard, and in the world we live in today, Heidi, we we go for many years even unnoticed by our parents, unpet, unloved, pawned off. You know, in our in our adolescent years when we need attention so desperately, we go unpet, unloved, you know, kind of misplaced. And then we, you know, get into our 20s and into relationships, you know, loose relationships. And we're yeah. still longing just to be recognized for who we really truly are as, you know, a gift. You know, God created us special to be a gift. And we can't realize that because we don't even know that. So we go looking for love in all the wrong places, you know, it it. it haunted houses and uh, 
cemeteries and, and magic and palm reading and, you know, Dungeons and Dragons. We look for that essential part of ourselves that's just going to wake up if just the magic would happen. Somebody would recognize us for who we truly are, and this has got to be it. And I think that's where the love of being scared comes in because, you know, we want that, we want that essential... I, I can't even describe it in one word, but it is definitely a sensate, emotion-driven, here mm-hmm. I am. Mm-hmm. It's okay. like acceptance, even. Yeah. An acceptance by the dark side. I, I don't know. Yeah. Like yeah. They belong. They belong. Adrenaline. You know, I guess it's kind of like a drug. Well, you know, no, because I used to repossess cars, and I love adrenaline. That's oh. it. <laughs> you know? Thank goodness. Which is from that, I guess. Run, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I had the the wonderful opportunity. I got to chat with you with a, a friend of mine who is Catholic. I'm not Catholic, and uh, I wanted to understand a, a bit of your background as far as you know. Demonologists are usually priests. How did you two come about to have the the backing that you do of the church? Um. <laughs> Nobody jump at that one. Huh? <laughs> Well, it's like, you know, well, you know, I'm just thinking about the first part of the statement. Um, actually, um, demonologists aren't priests. And in our faith, you know, basically the word demonologist is really... You oh, oh know, you know what? I'm thinking along the lines of exorcist. My apologies. But yeah, yeah you're right. You're right. Yes. And you know, the only PhD, because there is no real PhD or any course in demonology, although there's tons of people mm-hmm. offering them out there, is, uh, uh, you know, acquaintance of ours, William Bradshaw, who's a really wonderful guy to talk to. He's mm-hmm. out of St. Louis. He's got a PhD, and he was actually he's sent. A he's a Lutheran pastor. He was actually sent overseas to uh, that prestigious university. It wasn't uh, Cornwall. It was in England. And that's where he got his PhD. So, in um, calling ourselves a demonologist, Heidi, that is the sum total of our experiences, and it is not a title conferred on us by our church. Mm-hmm. If anything, we are looked on our ch- as our church as spiritual warfare counselors. Right, right. I, I know that you had some kind of, like, backing by a church. I didn't know what it was called. I, pardon me, I don't recall what it is. But how did you go about getting that kind of uh, backing to do what, it, what you guys do? Because you do go in the name of the Catholic Church, doing what you do, correct? Actually, what we do is we actually go and do what we do as Catholics. Mm -hmm. Because we are not, um, even though we are professed Franciscans, we are not ordained ministers. We are not nuns. So we do. We don't go there and say, oh, we have the full backing of the Catholic Church. No, we go as Catholics. What we do is we do our own ministry on our own. And if we need Catholic help, we call Catholic priests, Catholic nuns to come and help us. Okay, you know, so they, they do, they are somebody that you confer with and counsel in connection to what you do. Yes. Okay. Well, it's essential because we can only go so far. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we don't. We can't go where exorcists can go. We don't. Right. We do not have that kind of authority. In other words, the Roman ritual, that kind of thing. I mean, but you already know that. You know, that's kind of a, mm-hmm. a taboo. If uh, if somebody does the job of a priest who's laity, you know, even a brother or you know, or a sister, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's it's yeah, it's definitely a no no in any true Catholic church. I mean, there's a lot with these kind of prefixes: old, new, you know, modern. Did you study with somebody to 
get the position that you do and uh, the authority that you do have as demonologists and the know-how? How did you both gather the knowledge on these topics? It's the conglomerate of uh, validation from the peers and uh, mentors. You studied with your father. With, uh, You've got a heck of a library. We have this huge um, family that had a bunch of priests and nuns and at the Bishop of St. Louis back when my mother and father were just mm. early 20s, married them into cathedral in St. Louis and, I, you know, they were wondering if I should be a priest. So I went on some retreats with uh, my mom's uh, Monsignor cousin. And uh, my dad, apparitions was another one. And uh, he loves his politics. But uh, demonology, spiritual warfare and that stuff. He did that until I uh, was in about third grade. And then I guess they, they backed off of it because it started affecting the family. And uh, And that was a primer. But dad just kept reading about it and um, researching and con but he did not do the field work ever since that third grade thing happened where he he and mom bowed out of it and uh, so you know he accumulated all that but over the years uh, you know it was just a personal interest because guess what you know when they were playing Ouija boards in the 60s and I was not in the third grade in the 60s I don't think they <laughs> threw something in with that and when they went to cases and they uh, didn't pray when they got home to get it off them like you do to break a curse I think they brought something back because of the the torments that I had as a child let's you know and they gave me a St. Benedict Melon you know didn't say this is going to protect you from demons or anything like that but I I never really had them get closer than about three feet but so it was I, all in the family that's wild yeah, they're huh. telling me I'm uh you know like uh, I'm just having waking nightmares you know and they call them night terrors and, and that sort right. of thing yeah, so, and that went on for such a long time, you know, and uh, I, I still, you know, when I saw that scene in that movie The Conjuring, for example, and then that girl sits up in bed and she's just, her eyes are frozen on the back door. That was me. And <laughs> so, yeah, remember you were saying at the very beginning of the show, it does sound like a lot of people were initially were victims. Yeah. But we, we came to the Catholic, uh, I guess, the background. Uh, you know, my dad homeschooled us on the catechism. And those type of things to solidify it, and then we went over to our, I, our uh, uh, my aunt's house, which was my my grandmother's sisters, and they were like nuns. They didn't join a convent for some reason, but they took us to church and tell you know told us stories of the saints. Then I'd mow my grandpa's lawn, and he'd tell me stories, and you know it's like good grief, you know, couldn't escape yeah. anything I didn't. So, so the conversation was was alive and well in the family. How, Farah, how did you come about gaining your knowledge on this and getting started? The thing, Heidi, is that um, you know I didn't realize that I was. I never called myself a demonologist until I met Ken. Mm. No idea that that was my specialty, but I'm a demon magnet for whatever mm -hmm. reason. It's like you know, and I say that jokingly, and now yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. There is. Uh, there is no training for what I went through, I experienced, uh, I lived with the serial murder, um, I survived, oh, in, oh yeah, I didn't even know yeah. it until afterwards, it was really bizarre, um, oh, had wow. very similar, yeah, it was really, really strange, you know, you're, you're hanging out with this guy because, you know, your boyfriend jilts you, so you decide to get a job together, and then you find out later after you move away because you're kind of like, it was just really ridiculous, Heidi. Ridiculous. When, and people are terrified that story. Didn't, 
It, it, she was it's like, just, what was it? Tell her that, I, I guess that you should share that. Can, yeah, can we name names? Who was this? Wait, it's not that. Jeffrey Dahmer. No, it wasn't Jeffrey <laughs> no, it wasn't Dahmer. No, it wasn't Jeffrey Yeah, Dahmer. You're, you're the wrong, uh, yeah. His first name, I'm not going to say his last name, but to protect the innocent, because he was um, returned to the institution and he was returned to his meds. His first and name. And possessed, too. Yeah, he. I believe it. Seriously, seriously possessed. You gotta tell that story only because it's relevant to the show topics mostly. So, but you gotta tell. So, okay, being exposed to ugly black things, shadow people, shadow animals, shadow beings since as far back as I can remember upon waking and sleeping with lights and being terrorized as a child went on to trying to help other kids in school that were terrorized and trying to help them deal with it and help them be brave when they went to bed. And parents, for the most part, including mine, you're over-imaginative, you're working yourself (laughs) up, you just want attention, on and on. And, you know, come to find out there probably were a lot of reasons we had visitors and investigators in our house. You know, that's what I call them because they were lower level demons. Obviously not strong enough to do anything to hurt me, but obviously enough to frighten the hell out of me. Gotcha. You know, experiences in childhood went to trying to help other kids. And there's a lot of kids I tried to help get away from their demons. And I think a big one was getting away from a lot of the serious heavy metal music to the um, scrying and seances. And yeah, the death metal, the really heavy duty stuff to where I was. um, I ended up in a city in the Midwest because I had run away with a, um, a, a man I fell in love with. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom, of course, disinherited me and she calls me and she's like, uh, no, you're cut out of the will. And it's like, oh, that's, that's a joy. I want to live, you know, on a ranch with horses in the middle of nowhere. No, I'm a city girl. So mm-hmm. <laughs> long story short, you know, he dumps me. I am hanging out with my girlfriend who is like going to New Mexico or not New Mexico, but Mexico because she's going to be selling timeshares. Heidi, lucky her. Oh, oh, and it's oh like, you know, um, these are my friends, you know, you can check in with them. They'll help you out. Keep an eye on you. One of them, you know, was a friend of a friend and was like, look, you know, I know you need a job and everything. I'm kind of done with this job. Why don't we go apply for it together? It was like the maintenance job kind of thing. So we shared an apartment and, uh, didn't know that this, uh, I was like showing houses and, or condos and stuff like that. You know how that is. You yeah. know- We're coming up on our, on our first break here in about 30 seconds. So keep going. <laughs> okay. Well, 30 seconds, long story short, this is really yeah. long. Basically I'm going to leave him with a cliffhanger. Yeah. The guy was giving me stolen property and I didn't know it. Oh, the guy was following me in the middle of the night and I didn't know it. How did I know? Because I saw shadows and I didn't know it was him. Till oh, one gosh. night, in the middle of the night, I woke up and he's on his tiptoes of his fingers <clears> and <throat> knees and he is slinking along the wall and his head is turned at this bizarre angle. Like it's oh, all God. up. Yeah. Oh. In well, the doorway it, it, of my bedroom. Okay, we've got to get to our break. You guys, we'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to me, Heidi Hollis, The Outlander. Remembering always if it's weird, we're here. We're giving you advice and insight on outlandish topics. Phone lines are always open, 1-888-919-2355. But I know most of you guys are listening to the IRN app, so that is just fine and dandy. We have Ken and Farrah Deal, the real deal, as they're better known as, and we are talking about their demonology 
expertise and oh my goodness these they are the real deal <laughs> so how convenient to get into that last name huh Farah? <laughs> yeah i couldn't have like looked in the sears and roebuck catalog and said hmm who shall i marry since i chase ghosts but my specialty is <laughs> <laughs> Uh, goodness, and, and you're known as religious demonologist, real deal. Again, see, R D. Okay, uh, <laughs> I think that definition is very important for people to understand. Is that you know we come from a Christ Christocentric place mm-hmm. that it, we accept everybody right where they're at, as they're at, and help them the best that we can get to a place of peace, and that the only peace that we know of is Christ. Yeah. So. I, yeah. We are not afraid to talk about Jesus on this show, because I, I think he comes up every show. I don't care what I'm talking about, it, because it, there's no way I would be doing any of what I'm doing. You're Paul. I'm the new Sprintern. Uh, Sprint plus. Intern. Yeah. Clever, right? I'm gonna... Look at getting an amazing iPhone 8. Yeah, because... They have an all-glass design, advanced cameras. I'm going to... Uh... going to give your second phone to your new friend. Wow, Paul. Now lease one iPhone 8 and give a second one on us. Visit your local Sprint store, sprint.com slash iPhone, or call 1-800-SPRINT-1 today. iPhone 8, 64 gigabyte, 2917 a month. Second iPhone 8 after 2917 a month. Credit applied within two bills. Requires two new lines or one new and one upgrade with 18-month leases. Early termination results in full balance to exclusive stack subject to credit and third activation restrictions apply. Had I not had the encounters I had with him, I, I would not have had the nerve <laughs> to take a step forward. So everything mm-hmm. is because of him. So um, I get it. I totally get it. it. There's a question in the chat room. Um, Bonnie is asking, uh, do they protect themselves when doing this? And if they do, how do they do it? Well, that's a really good question. Do you want me to start or you want me to start, honey? Uh, I'll start and you can finish up, so to speak. All right. Yeah, we have a daily amount of practices. You know what? It was a little bit of trial and error, especially the more the severe Hi. cases, especially when you're back to back. You can, sometimes you have to step it up. And uh, the, the the fault for us is, you know, Catholic mass every day. I go about five times a week, including Sundays. Uh, you know, when I can, uh, which is most of the time, because I drop my daughter off at school and then I I go to mass right after that. Then I come home and and I work. Now, we do the daily rosary. I know when I was younger, I noticed how the rosary does seem to bring about a certain peace in the house. Less, you know, arguing when there otherwise should be. I see. You know, those type of things. And But it's definitely, one, uh, Padre Pio called it uh, one of the most powerful weapons in spiritual warfare. And, Doing uh, the rosary. Okay. Yeah. And specific prayers. I'll, I'll go to the medals first. Um, I'll, I'll leave that part with, uh, with Fair on the medals. Uh, specific prayers is uh, prayers that... When we go to a place, we say prayers before for protection and, you know, other prayers. Is there ones in particular that you use? Yeah, the head prayer protection and breaking curses prayers relating which to after Which are on our website. Yeah, which are on uh, our website. Which, which site? Which one? Thank is you. It? The, uh, uh, the real deals.com, which, uh, one word correctly right now. And it's yeah. got to be real, like the e. camera film, R E E L, because we're not R E A L. We're not real mayonnaise. We're real. Okay. Put a mayonnaise jar for Oh, that's right. So it's the real deals.com. Yes, yeah. they'll, they'll find the pr- link they'll find the protection prayer prayers right there yeah. because we have a number of prayers and we always refer those to people right mm-hmm. away because the power of prayer can never, never be understated. Now, I put that on the books a lot whenever people ask me to sign them because that's one of the things that is definitely concrete. It's like most of the time people just aren't praying enough and that's it. Yeah. But 
got to do it every day. And I was so refreshed when I ran into Father Chad Riverger. And, and uh, well, we, we knew from him earlier, but not knew him personally. 2015, he came here to speak, and we uh, helped set it up. And we recorded on video, and we put it online, and we met him. And he said there that, uh, uh, and he said earlier, I think, in one of his other things, but he repeated it. Uh, he pretty much had to draft his own prayer because he, as an exorcist, an ordained priest, he was getting retaliation strikes. You know, you're doing an exorcism and that sort of thing, and you go back to your yeah. office, you find your computer won't boot. You know, this this series of unfortunate events that some people might call are actually, you know, symptoms of a curse. And, and they hit people differently. Some people get hit with uh, physical ailments. They'll get like a series of kidney stones or get fibromyalgia that doesn't go right. away. They don't get rid of that when they get that far. Or in, the, in, in this case, if it's uh, financial, where they can hurt you more, they'll, they'll mess with your electronics or something. Or they'll just do tricks that doesn't permanently damage anything to some degree that interferes with your day. And then, you know, like making your car where it won't start and then magically it starts. Well, and, was, and that falls into the category of a curse? Yeah, because um, it's a curse is essentially a demonic effect. Like if a witch puts a curse on you, it's not her doing it. She's sending a demonic hitman to carry some evil act out on you. And well, sometimes I've got a legion at me. Then my God, <laughs> well, <sighs> Chad, it was refreshing because he said that I pretty much have to do this prayer every day. And I asked him, Hey, what prayer did you come up with? I told him I was saying, which is on the site, both of them. I was saying a breaking curses prayer that I drafted on my own from an original prayer that was specifically for breaking curses. And I say that one every day. And Avon said it to a counselor friend of mine. He says, oh, I think you're going a little bit overboard there. And when I heard Father Chad say that, that was like, so like, all right, an exorcist said that. So you better, how much we're in this work, we still get some validation. Like when I used to talk to, you know, John Zaffis in uh, early 2000, late 1900s, uh, uh, 1999 and Sometimes you, you have to talk to somebody who might have experienced something that's extraordinarily not probable for the person who does a few cases, but someone has a higher profile. Yeah. Oh, gosh. You, you know, yeah. I'd actually written uh, the Warrens <laughs> some time ago when I, I realized, I, I, I you guys know I, I, I named the shadow people and the hat man phenomenon. And, and when I was zeroing in on the hat man and what he was and who he was, I was like, holy crap. And I have thousands of emails from all over the globe about this guy. I'm like, I have got to reach out. So I reached, mm -hmm. I, I reach out, and uh, Zaphis writes me back. And uh, I was living in Australia at the time. And and he's like, well, you know, let's chat sometime. It's like, well, to make a phone call overseas. <laughs> I just, it was just so, uh, it was really nice of them to, you know, to take the time. But I, I never did get to have the conversation with them because every yeah. time I took a, took a step forward to delve into the topic, I am not kidding you. Friends, family, they're like, Heidi, whatever you're looking into, stop. I can't sleep. I'm having bad luck. And I'm like, it was, they just knew it had to do with something I was doing. I'm like, well, say a prayer. I mean, I'm trying to work here. <laughs> yeah. yeah the metals does help. The St. Benedict metal. I mean, we tell people put that on if you want to try to, uh, uh, we'll just say ease your sleep paralysis. Sometimes they put it on, they have to do other things to get it off of them. And then mm -hmm. they put that on like closing the gate. And the miraculous metal, especially if it might be sexual in nature. Because the purity of Mary and her humility and, you know, or we'll just say her bright white 
Well, we're talking about what we do to protect ourselves before yeah. we go someplace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I work synthetic metal and a miraculous metal and uh, Farah. Okay. Too. But the other prayers are all, all the prayers that I say to protect us on a daily level besides those practices of, you know, weekly confession and all that, sacramentals and sacraments. They're on that website. Gotcha. So what would, okay, something that Farah said that really has me thinking, okay, I am just known for the shadow people Hatman thing. And you said you didn't feel like you're a demonologist or you didn't call yourself a demonologist prior to that. I know I'm t- I'm dealing with demons. This does that make you a demonologist just because you're you're kind of addressing the issue or the topic or how's that work? I put seven types of demonologists in a blog up to der- try to define it because yeah, honestly in the church they don't use the term demonologist. Uh, I don't know how Adam Bly ended up with that title called mm. by the I like to avoid that. Yeah, they don't like that, that kind of I think language. they kind of adopt they, it. Oh, they don't, huh? They don't. No, yeah, they wanted to call because it, it, it refuses the the um, baptism, which, you know, dissolves the, the, the um, curse of original sin, and it takes the focus off of Christ. When you say, oh, well, you know, th- what you do, you're a demonologist. You know, mm-hmm. instead, you know, we, um, they like the term, you know, spiritual warfare, Christologist, mm-hmm. um, evangelism, that sort of thing, because they prefer to keep the focus on the positive, and rightly so. Mm-hmm. And it's what do in our lay ministry, you know, we want to, um, basically, you know, we don't want to catch the dolphins and, you know, all the little octopi. We want to catch everybody. You know, we want to throw the net far and wide and we want to bring as many people out of the, out of the dark as we can. And, and if we, and if we go around, you know, with, with robes and serious faces and, and, you know, (laughs) speak, you know, loftier than, you know, <laughs> stone. chances are that, you know, a lot of people are going to think we got our heads, you know, stuck in some candelabra a little bit too high. And Oh, um, my gosh. I hear you. We can't we can't do that. You know, I, I am a barefoot, strange, tree hugging Franciscan. And I'm not, you know, I'm I, I know that God made me for a specific pers- purpose. And it's not. It just I um. I know that there's a reason that we use the terminology we do, and it is basically, Heidi, to affect the majority of people, to let them know that who we are, we're real people. Yeah. And, when you know, I, I, I reject I, anyone for any I reason. I think that is highly important. There, there are too many people who, once they start delving into these more spiritual topics, they, I, I have a hard time talking to them because they do speak lofty and thuses and thous, and I'm like, they turn even me off. I'm like, I'm a human being, and I want to present myself as such so people can relate to me and, and be more apt to ask questions than to be turned off, you know? So, we have to present ourselves as, as we are. Good point. And I think that in our search for God sometimes— that our, our desire to, you know, attain goals or a greater level of intent or holiness, I think sometimes we separate ourselves from, or I should say we separate too much of ourselves instead of embracing the self that God gave us. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that is where we have a disconnect and that God doesn't ask all of us to be choir boys or priests or bishops or, or we're each created individually so that our beautiful kneecap fits somebody's 
knobby <laughs> lens. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah like, I hear you. Different parts. Right. So we all can't we all can't be Plato or Aristotle or Rock exactly. Mon- or or Picasso. No, they are they are awesome though. I love them. Oh. <laughs> you know, I got to I, you know, I have a question for you. This is I've I've spoken to others who dabble in, in these things that that you both do, and uh, one element that I learned is that supposedly demons cannot read your mind. However, once a person has been met with darkness, they fear the day they will ever be met with it ever again, and they think because they have such fear, the darkness will see that fear and come back. So which is it? Can the can demons really read your mind, and can your fear of them coming back actually attract them back to you? Well, let's let's take it one step at a time. No, it is not possible. It is not possible, and it is not right. even if you are unbaptized. All right, you are still a child of Adam. You are still a child. Of Adam, there is no way because you are a physical being born into this world. Your thoughts are between you and your Creator, God. Exactly. No demon that can cross that barrier. Yeah, I tell people yeah. this. I do. <laughs> people that are concerned about this most often are the ones that you know have something to fear that I'm oppressed, and uh, they they give this illusion whether their psychological battle of that they can read their minds by inserting the thought because you know they're good at temptation and when they oppress yeah. they can actually talk and they can hear them audible so i mean most of the time demonic activity is just louder and and bigger from what it right. was before you know even manifestations but, moving car keys to moving refrigerators yes they're uh, impressive the one element that i think kind of confuses people and, and makes them believe that their fear will allow these things to come at them, uh, like they could hear their thoughts or something, is that they can give them nightmares. So I think the nightmares sometimes get them to, to feel like, well, they're inside my head already. But yeah. nightmares are a whole different ballgame. How do you guys classify nightmares? Well, we didn't finish answering the first, the second part oh, of your question. Go, go for it. Oh, God, let's I mean, go there. Okay, go for because it. Because <laughs> I think this is an important topic to address. You know, people... Oh, yeah. First of all, you know, you you know, I think you're you're the people that you're talking to definitely need to hear that demons cannot hear people's oh, yes. thoughts. And fear, okay, we all have fears. Okay, does that attract demons? No. Demons aren't necessarily interested in you, especially, you know, if you're doing what they want. You either come from two places. You come from a place that you know what I'm gonna put God first in my life, or you come from a place, well, I'm gonna take care of myself first. Those two places that you come from, if you're putting yourself first and what you want and everything else, demons aren't going to bother with you. You're already doing what you need to do to get you to hell. <laughs> Sorry, it just it's a fact. It if, is. Yeah. If, if you put God first, you can be scared all you want, but your guardian angel is going to stand right there and be batting a thousand trying to keep them off you. Yep. So, people, you have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear whatsoever. That battle already got won. Fear does not attract them. Our choices of sin attracts them. Faith of a mustard seed would smack them down. Exactly. You got that right. On a dream. Yeah. Okay, so let's go to the dream um, thingy. The, yeah, the dreams. The, uh, we say that the first thing that you experience when you're beginning to be affected by a demonic spirit 
is your dreams and anxiety. Both of those seem to enter around the same time. Now, unless you're prone to other psychological ailments, because they'll try to play those up. Like, you'll go from mild depression to more severe, maybe you're in suicidal as they progress. So, do, so does your psychological ailments. And the same thing for even physical. You might even have, like we are talking earlier about new ones show up. But that, So we have to, like, watch our little meter of the person that starts to go down back down to zero and you know it's uh, we believe that the demonic was non-existent but it's always going to be shouting and roaring on the doorstep and there in the background when they make a mistake it's going to come in like that rabbit that never left your garden outside the fence and then that one day you leave the gate open or you accidentally uh, damage it with the mower or something and then it's going to be inside shortly yeah. after that but yeah, the the dreams uh, and then indicating how the dreams is another story, and um, if you can tell if it's demonic or not. But I think a lot of times the person who has them suspect they are without even us even giving them some like uh, tips and hints of how you can tell it's a demonic, uh, you know, induced dream. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I have to tell you something kind of funny. I, I I would get these demonic dreams and and I wouldn't back down. I sometimes have to get up to to go to the bathroom and say I want to go back to it to take them down, and I would go back to the <laughs> dream. <laughs> so, yeah, so. like a, they said the coma patients. If you research some of that, like yeah. near death experience coma patients, it's like that movie with uh, Jennifer Lopez, The Cage. That yeah. when they finally battled and won a demon, just like the boy in, in that St. Louis um, exorcism case that inspired the movie. Last thing he remembers was there was a battle with the Saint Michael with the flame and sword. You know, he saw that, and then he wakes up kind of like out of this state, like he came out of a coma. No memory of all the things that he did from the time that he was initially possessed. And that's, uh, dreams can be that way, too. You wake up, you didn't dream anything, and then something jars your memory. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I had a horrible dream about that. Not yeah. as often, though. You usually remember in the morning, and your memory starts to fade as time goes on. But it's a fast. Dreams are a fascinating thing, anyway. That's why I liked Freddy Krueger when it first came out. <laughs> oh yeah, have those kind of dreams too, you know. And then you win the battle, and then you wake up. You know, it's like how do you wake yourself up out of your dream? You couldn't exit whenever you're battling it. You know, there's a lot of questions of how they interact with the dream. So, oh, I feel they try us. I, I feel they they try to find that weakness in you sometimes with these dreams, and it's like, oh man, you know. Not to add for protection, and this applies too. Is a blessing your house. So take the holy water. Use frankincense and myrrh. Bless your room That's, before you go to bed. Thank you. I oh my gosh, I think I have to bring that up every show. I, I am not kidding you. <laughs> Keep the like, shadow visitors out. And I'll tell you what, there is an, the number one thing that people can do to protect themselves is fast once a week. I don't care if it's one meal, if it's one day, and you can fast food. You can fast TV. I fasted Facebook the other day for a whole day. Ouch, that was painful. I'm sorry. Oh, it was. <laughs> I was like, oh I gotta do this. Oh no, don't touch that phone. <laughs> I like that. So you could choose to fast different things. I, yeah, I dare people to fast their cell phones. <laughs> it's, not really, it's really difficult because especially if you don't have a house phone anymore or if you have a business, because it's like we have like three businesses, you know, that we mm -hmm. access yeah. through our, our phones and, you know, our ministry and stuff. So it's yeah. very, very difficult. If it matters to you to deny your flesh and mortify something that you desire that's pleasurable to you, it matters to God. And yeah. that strikes out any demonic influence. So people learn how to fast, and you'll kick them out way quick. 
That's what I was telling so, someone last true. week. Thing, and he was having a problem with, uh, you know, succubus-type experiences. And it's not working. It's not working. This guy's addicted to porn, too, but that doesn't help. But I said, you're going to have to go back to the essentials. Deny your flesh of these things such you know, eating. Not to starve himself to death, but, you know, don't be so quick to get your favorite food and all that. All that. You've got to deny yourself. Because God expects you to deny yourself of sin, of the flesh, of that nature. And then when you deny food, something that's essential to your daily living, and you fast, and you might get a pain of hunger. You know, um, I don't know if you call it a pain, but it's not mm-hmm. comfortable. And right. it, it does aid to the fight. And it reminds me of that Bible quote. You might remember that one, Sarah. What was that one about? This one takes a fast when the apostles couldn't cast a demon out? Something like that. Oh, that one was... Uh um, for whatever reason, the apostles, and I'm sure Heidi's familiar with this, the um, chapter in the Bible, I th- no, it's not Luke, uh, it might be John, where the disciples had been working to cast a demon out of a young girl, and they finally ran to Jesus, who of course was rolling his eyes, and he mm-hmm. says, hey, Master, we can't get this one out, we can't get this one out, you got to come help us. And he says, sometimes these ones can only be cast out by fasting and praying. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. So Pretty you compi- you people. combine the power punch of just, you know, fasting and, you know, making a morning offering that, you know, God, this is what I'm going to do for you. Now, if you combine that with additional praying, you've got a one-two punch. So true. So true. So I'm fascinated with... Uh, <laughs> there. There's so many people that uh, getting into more of the, the, the daily cases that pop up, a lot of people are having issues around 3 a.m. What the heck is the deal with the witching hour? I mean, this is a this is a real thing. It just seems like people will wake up, they're having a nightmare, they hear something or something's creeping up on them. Why Trinity. is that? It's a mock it's a mockery of the Trinity. Satan loves it. It's like it's his funny time because he knows that God created our bodies on a specific circadian rhythm, you know, that we would rise with the sun and we would settle down with the departing of the sun. And at our deepest opportunity for our bodies to be healing and quiet and our angels watching over our spirits, the little devils are like right there poking us going, ha ha ha, you thought you could sleep. And the 3 a.m. And that's when they go to scratch it. It's three scratches. That's the mocking. I even thought that if if we had that darkness and that that uh, I don't know what you call it plane or time zone and it didn't leave that three a.m. I would think manifestations would just keep growing and growing and growing. That's just a theory because we find out it seems like it seems that uh, the sun is on the farthest side of the planet, you know, at that phase. But yeah, the uh, the theology does seem to be what it's to do with three a.m is the uh, hour, as we figure, that the veil between this world and the hellish one is at its thinnest. 3 p.m., the Blessed Mother in the, you know, in the Orthodox Catholic old teachings, they said that she assumed into heaven at 3 p.m. Jesus died on the cross at 3 p.m. So you yeah. start to say, hey, yep. you know, oh, and he assumed into heaven at 3 p.m. Yeah. There's a lot of prayers that you're supposed to say at 3 p.m., Chapel of Divine Mercy of you know Sister Faustina in the early 1900s and and some of those others, but, um, you know, so we, we know there's a significance on the flip side, and Satan likes to do opposites, and that is the witching hour. That's when the Satanists have their mass, you know, yeah. their black mass, not at midnight, you know, they might, that's an old Celtic one or something. But yeah, doesn't that's it, different. Doesn't it seem like there's an increase of evil things going amok? And I mean, like, purposely 
demonic entities. I, I remember a couple of years ago, I live in Chicago, and there was a, 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 a newspaper article that said the Catholic Church was having an emergency training of exorcists because they were so overrun and, and overwhelmed with the amount of uh, calls. Have you noticed this influx as well? I'd say. And I think it's more than just an influx, my dear. What it is, is I think that because of the ability for people to get their hands on occult items, cursed objects, and the fascination with all things occult, you know, every kind of magic, it's so easy for people to invite sin in, and their choices lead them to attachments. And they don't, they don't trust a friend. They immediately call the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church yeah. is like, well, okay, so you're Methodist. Let's talk to your pastor. But I don't want to talk to him. Right. Oh, yeah. Pastor, it's like, I don't want him knowing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got to get to our next break. You guys are listening to me, Heidi Hollis, the Outlander, and we will be right back. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to me, Heidi Hollis, the Outlander, and I have Kenneth and Farah Deal, the real deals here. Go to therealdeals.com. That's double E for both words. And we're just chatting it up, just chewing the fat. <laughs> Having yeah. a good old time, and uh, I forget where did we leave off. But I wanted to hold on. There's a question here. Okay. Oh, people want people want to hear some of your creepy stories, which I get it. So you've come across people who have been possessed. Mm-hmm. So tell us of some of these cases that uh, you guys have come across that have been the most uh, I don't know difficult. Let's talk about the more recent ones, sir, I guess. That's, that's probably more appropriate since we didn't get Well, you know, to tell you the truth, it, mm-hmm. it's easy to talk about cases that, because there's so many of them, Heidi, where, you know, people are in shock to realize, because what they see on TV isn't real. Whether they're looking at Linda Blair spewing pea soup out of her nose or her head coming <laughs> around, you know, it's, it's not real. No. Right. Ever should they walk into Walmart and be sitting there playing on their little cell phone and the person in front of them head starts switching and, and just, you know, going all over the place and they're thinking, okay, somebody's doing the Macarena. Well, I need to get out of here, get out of my line. And all yeah. of a sudden they start frothing on the ground and look up at them and speak in some kind of language they've never heard. That would, you know, get everybody to run screaming. Oh, but yeah. It's, it's not the norm. No. And consequently, you know, the subject of, you know, people that are possessed is so sensitive and it is held so close to the vest by the Catholic Church. You know, they really don't they don't want it sensationalized because it's not uh, it's not like it's not like a popcorn movie like Star Wars, you know, where everybody goes, oh, come on, let's go look at the MK Ultra person or, you know, the person that just All of a sudden, just Our Timothy Lear experiment. <laughs> I know, you know. Let's just go, let's go look at Jeffrey Dahmer in a cage. Yeah, not uh, so. You know, if if we yeah. share things about some of our experiences, you know, we like to try and help people recognize this things is, and recognize symptoms mm-hmm. of you know a potentially possessed or a person that has an attachment. So let's go there because I think there's a ton, a ton. Yes, and a lot of people have okay because. 
there's a lot of confusion and a lot of people that we know that call themselves demonologists or really want to help people they are out there in the paranormal field. They make the mistake of calling everything a demon because they don't believe in ghosts. They make the mistake of saying that, oh, yes, you know, I've got uh, the right sage, I've got the right music, I've got the right chant for you because I can fix this for you and it's going to all go away and they have a magic wand. Now, the, what they don't take into uh, encounters with people on a daily basis, a lot of people... And according to the diagnostics for uh, psychology, we're not even talking psychiatry, although psychiatry is a pseudoscience and I don't believe it in any way. Um, better living through medication only in the cases of severe pain, severe, severe illness. A lot of people are mental. What do I mean by mental? I'm mental. Okay. There, the degrees of mental, um, shall we say, difficulty in dealing with daily life is usually suspect when there are shall we say bipolar emotional swings okay. um, behaviors that are self-depreciating um, self-effacing or harmful now that could be anything from addiction to you know you could have you know a case that calls us and you know the person won't stop sleeping around and it's like, you know, I think this person's possessed because it doesn't matter. You know, they're obsessed with sex. Um, and then you come to find out that the person, you know, was molested from, you know, the age of two to about 12. And they're acting out because they don't feel loved because the person that they're with isn't cuddling them and then smacking them and beating them and raping them. So they're not receiving love from their partner. That's what I'm talking about mental. So this person may look and act like, you know, they're, they're out of their mind, they're possessed, but there's so much more that goes into a case, folks, that um, it's easy to say, yes, this person has an attachment. You know, they're, they're talking mumbo-jumbo in their sleep, and then all of a sudden they're normal. Are they? Do they have a real attachment, or do they have a mental stress, a spiritual wound that is going to take time to heal? Mm. Or are they seeing things because of the result of their dabbling with uh, minor light witchcraft that are coming to visit them and it's causing them nightmares? So they've got a combination of a wound and invitational black evil little cockroaches coming to visit them. Mm. You know, yeah. so for us to talk about some of the creepiest, creepiest, horrific things, you know, all, all we, we can do is say, hey, people, you know, there's so many of them. It's like, where do we start? <laughs> you know, we've yeah, got dictionaries of them. Uh, one went, when we went over, it was just to interview. And then we're, I was pretty sure by the phone interview. And that's what I really am glad, you know, with the help of the Holy Spirit and so forth, that over the years of that time, we've gotten to the point where we can get a lot of them figured out on the phone. And a lot of them can be helped over the phone, but not to, you know, not the true possessions. So in this case, we went over and we're just taking the intake, sitting on the porch, you know, sipping lemonade or whatever. Well, I was still drinking Pepsi. I hate that stuff. <laughs> I don't like the of the gut. And the girl comes here, you know, the girl in question. My son calls me on the phone. I go around the corner. This is just because there's examples of how it's funny how the devil does his little things. You ever know this yeah. point? And I go around the corner and he's like, oh, what can I have? You know, he's 16. What can I have to eat for lunch? And then I go back around the side of the house, and she's kicking 300-pound men off of her. She's got a couple uh, hefty uh, you know, guys that live at the house there, you know, a... Uh, 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 uh. 
You're Paul. I'm the new Sprinter. Ah, uh, Sprint Plus. Intern. Yeah, clever, right? I'm gonna... Look at getting an amazing iPhone 8. Yeah, because... They have an all-glass design, advanced cameras. I'm going to... Uh... Going to give your second phone to your new friend. Wow, Paul! Now lease one iPhone 8 and give a second one on us. Visit your local Sprint store, sprint.com slash iPhone, or call 1-800-SPRINT-1 today. iPhone 8, 64 gigabyte, 2917 a month. Second iPhone 8 after 2917 a month. Credit applied within two bills. Requires two new lines or one new and one upgrade with 18-month leases. Early termination results in full balance. Two exclusive stacks subject to credit and third activation restrictions apply. Father and a an uncle. Yeah. So I'm like, this, where's this my little crucifix? girl might have been 85 to 90 pounds. You know, so I got drawn into the fight, you know, and wow. so we're, we're battling this thing. It occurred later too. So that was one of the symptoms already revealed, but we already had her turn on the phone, and you got to get that under control. You just can't leave them there. Oh, let me go run and get a priest in case of emergency. Break glass. That's one of the reasons why people shouldn't enter this stuff. Unless they are prepared to do that spiritually, we more say. Um, it's not. It's a psychological and a spiritual battle. But I'm uh, curious if, if when you guys tackle certain things, like I, I tackle at a distance. I don't get my hands dirty like you guys do. I, I, I sometimes wish I did in, in the face of shadow people, hat man and stuff. But I'm like, yeah. you know, I don't think that's my place to to do that sort of thing. But when I get bad luck after giving someone advice I, over the phone, over the radio, or, or uh, by email, I, I take it as a compliment, like, oh, I really ticked off the dark side this time. I'm like, you know, they uh, hate my guts, feelings are mutual, and I'm like, well, I must be doing something right, because uh, yeah, I just know. Uh, and, and sometimes the people that you're helping, they're like, whoa, things really heated up there for a second when I sent this email to you. And I'm like, take it as a compliment, because they know their time is limited. Do you get that? Yeah, you got to take. That's why you have to say those daily prayers after you've been on the phone or even email them. Yeah. Uh, about uh, twelve years ago, I had this uh, uh, other denomination. I can't remember what it was, and he contacted me in an email and says, "Hey, I have a group of uh, prayer meeting friends, and they meet, and there's about fifteen of them, and uh, we want to pray for cases that you're working on." Oh, sure. And so I gave him a name of a possession case I was working on. Uh, we'll just say his name's Tom. Yeah. And. They uh, they began praying for him, and I didn't, you know, I didn't, uh, you know, keep in touch. But uh, I thought, you know, we contact him and see uh, how, uh, you know, I'll tell him how things are going on that case. So um, I actually saw that. Oh, he emailed me, and he's saying it's it's pretty sad. He yeah. says, "Is there any? Uh, have you ever heard of a demonic spirit affecting people or just praying for a case? You know, you're just praying for it. You don't you live in the same state or anything like that." He says, "Because we're all everybody, the whole t prayer team's broken up, all of them." He says, "Some of the relationships are you know not talking to each other and thinking about separation. Uh, cars broke down, all of this stuff." And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" It's like, uh, whole. Said, "Are you guys praying for yourselves?" And Domino effect. I can't assume that anybody knows that and yeah. just praying for him, emailing and meddling in any way. It, you you got to be on it. You have to. I, I, yeah. I do something I call picture prayers. I, I wrote a book called Picture Prayers. And it's like one, I don't know when I'm not praying. Honestly, it's like I, I think all day long, I feel I'm in prayer and I'm in communication with God. So that's that's how I go about my days. Um, I, I, I find it to be... <sighs> there's there's this phenomenon out there that I, I'm really upset about. And I was taught that there is this time of innocence when you're a kid, God's protecting you until you become confirmed. And I have received many emails 
from kids or people who were kids when they were first approached by demonic beings and and really have had like a lifetime of issues with these things. What do you think is going on? Why are kids being targeted? How are they able to gain access to them? Well, the number one access that children have is through a lack of protection or an invitation by the adults. Because a child is born into this world under the protective wing of the mother or father, whoever has legal right, or if the child has been abandoned, whoever signs on to take, you know, adopts and has legal right over that child. Now, um, a lot of a lot of people have difficulty believing in generational spirits. A lot of places call them generational curses. Children um, have, if they're not baptized and if they are not brought up, and even sometimes if they are brought up in loving homes with loving support of adults, they're targets right away because they are so vulnerable because of the sins of the mom and dad that they are continuing to choose it invites all these little cockroaches to find out what they can get away with and then they send two friends and call two more friends and the children you know being as inquisitive and sweet and innocent as they are are very easily misled makes sense i, I it's it's so disgusting i've had people who've written me as young as three years old having memories of just being battered by demons. And uh, I just, mm-hmm. uh, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't even know what to say. I'm like, that, that's, that's horrible. It's like, where's the protection? Yeah. But where's that element of innocence that, I mean, I don't know what the Catholic church teaches, but are, are you taught that like they're under that protective spirit of God up until a certain age? Uh, that came up recently. And, uh, it depends. When they're baptized, they become a member of, you know, the uh, the body of, uh, of Christ. The Holy Family is now your Adam and Eve. And uh, so you, there's added protection with that. And when you use holy water and all those sacraments, they'll have more meaning. Um, but, uh, yeah, it is, it's a strange thing. It has to do with the sins of the parents and baptism and all that stuff, which, you know, it, uh, it frees them of the sins of their parents. Makes, not Adam makes and Eve. sense. Well, into a fallen world, Heidi. No. And the, the, the yeah. leader of the fallen world is the prince of the air. And he's been given dominion here. People have to remember, though, the battle's already been won. Oh, for sure. I always tell people there's something to be said about the human potential, the human spirit, and God. Because if these things could have taken us out a long time ago, they would have done it. But they can't. They cannot do it. I, yeah, moving... Uh, I'm, What's up? Um, the, the story about Sister Magdalena of the Cross, she, uh, uh, at an early age, desired to be so holy that she'd be, you know, honored and revered and venerated by everybody in this life and, and in the next. And uh, it turns out that later on it was revealed when she was discovered, you know, of her dark secret, that she had made a deal with the devil at the age of five. So sometimes kids mature more into the age of reason instead of just being by default seven that's years. That's true. Number seven. That is so true. There's well, there, isn't there? <laughs> there's, there's so much that's going on in this world. I tell people it's not just a possibility you'll be met with something dark. It's a threat. It, it's yeah. It's a threat. It is so active. People have to be on their P's and Q's because this is this is not a joke. This is an everyday battle. And I don't care what color skin of this uh, the things that are presenting themselves to them, if it's an alien being or, 
or or whatnot. Uh, some the aliens that are showing up are not the good guys in general. The the ones that are being per- portrayed in the movies, they're demonic. Why do they leave in the name of Jesus? If you say that, why why do they leave if they're not? Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Why do they run and turn tail? That's Gosh, it. yes. That's just masquerade, too. But there. you know, I wanted to address a question you asked earlier, real quick, because um, I know mm-hmm. we're short on time. Um, yeah. a lot of people that get into, you know, thinking, well, you know, I'm going to go investigate and I'm going to help people, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then they talk about, wow, you know, I came home and, you know, this happened and my my car got stolen and, you know, my wife decided to leave me for my friend and all this horrible stuff. Man, I must be doing the right thing, man. I must be working for God. No. Wrong. Wrong. (laughs) Wrong. Wrong. No. That's the first. That's one of the first signs that a um, you have meddled into some place that you have no business meddling. Yeah. Um, two, you do not either have the proper authority to be sticking your nose in it or your prayers are the result of the choices that you have made. Exactly. Yeah. If you have not if you have not turned away from past sins and made as best to your ability remuneration to the people that you've offended. That stuff follows you around like Linus with his dirty blanket. And he needs <laughs> to pick up on that and go, oh, I can mess with this one. Because yeah. your guardian angels, they don't stand down. But God allows them for the sanctification of your soul to come back to him to be messed with. So true. That's the way people that are stubborn will go back to or go to them for the first time. Yeah. So, God allows you to come back. Yeah. What do you guys think of, okay, now I don't know if you've seen this, this couple, well, there's actually uh, like four videos or something of this, this, uh, this Dutch, Dutch businessman who has come forward, who was part of this uh, group of elite people who kind of manipulate the whole world economy. And he's like, I, I couldn't go through with what they were wanting me to do. And, and then there's Bohemian Grove where, the strange ritual that takes place just out of San Francisco where all of these world uh, power people go and, and they, they do this really strange uh, um, uh, ceremony that seems very Satanistic and in the, and the satanic groups around the country. And uh, I I've met even ex military guys who said that they were told to participate in these satanic uh, rituals and, and the Dutch businessman as well. He was told to, to kill children. And I, I'm like, there's so much that is indicating that our, our world governments, it seems so weird and far-fetched, but are actually involved in satanic ritualistic things. I, have you heard this? And what do you think about that? Well, I can get political on this one. Yeah, that's one. <laughs> <laughs> he had expertise uh, that I was talking about one of his three things. Mm-hmm. When, you talk, when he talked politics, he was talking about what people call conspiracy theories. But I watched, he's been passed away for what, three years now, Farah? Yeah. He's passed away now, and uh, we see that all the stuff he was talking about and the books he's reading is all happening. And then we're all supposed to go, oh, uh, well, it's just a conspiracy theory. It's like all that stuff was right. Well, I, I, I knew about the Masons and all that stuff because. When we run into Freemason cases, it has to be dealt with. It can't just be ignored. It, you know, they're what? I, what are you finding with Freemason cases? What's going on with them? You know, the uh, the Masons is also, you know, it's like this uh, this ancient uh, order, you know, evolved into what they call the Freemasons now. 
Uh, they put a claim as though it's a Hiram the Builder, you know, of Solomon. Um, right. You have Crowley and these others that actually link him to that cult magic. Even going back to the pop, the uh, um, the uh, I can't believe I just forgot the word. I was going to say apocrypha. <laughs> it's like uh, Kabbalah. Okay. And that thing, but yeah, that that gets kind of deep with this uh, ancient mystical magic side. And uh, but they, it's the eye in the triangle. Uh, type symbol that goes back. They actually found the eye in the triangle, triangle symbol in Egyptian ruins. Yes. It's very old. And they have an obsession with uh, you know, ancient uh, Egypt anyway. Um, yes. You know, the cult of it. And in the temple arts, if you watch some of the documentaries that are not, you know, put forth by, you know, a church or something, they understand that the temple arts really were pagans pretending to be Christians because they carved uh, symbols, pagan symbols, into cells. And mm -hmm. they're it's all matched up, and they weren't tortured. They were, well, to say they were interviewed by three priests who were experts in psychology and, you know, very pious. Um, but those, anyway, I can, this can really branch off a lot, but the Freemasons is, um, the, the, the true story seems to go back to the great-grandson of King Herod, you know, the one who murdered the innocent babies trying to kill Jesus. And yeah. they were just tired of seeing the, the Christian movement grow. I think it was like 60 A.D., around the time that St. John, uh, um, you know, the uh, young St. John, um, around the time he died, um, that the, the uh, population was more and more increasing to be Christian. So they called him that imposter Jesus. And that's mm -hmm. why you get this Da Vinci Code. He was a member of what was called the New Templars, which were Freemasons again. If he put something in the paintings that someone discovered later on, he did it. Because he secretly believed, even if he pretended to be Catholic, that Jesus was an imposter. But that's where it began, and the Temple of Jerusalem was the name of it. So they used the cover of a Jewish church, Jewish temple, to do their meetings and all that. If you go to the Scottish Rite, you'll actually see the upside-down inverted pentagram with a circle around it on the back of the, uh, the throne or whatever chair that is that the, uh, the Grand Master sits in. So on some levels, they don't even hide it. Oh, it's so scary. It, yeah. There's so much. It's like, ah, oh, the things that that are they're coming forward, and it's just like all connecting and making sense. And whistleblowers are stepping forward, saying they're killing children, they're sacrificing them. I'm like, and and somebody that I I met that's on the down low that doesn't work for the government anymore said I couldn't sacrifice people anymore. It's all satanic. I'm like, wow, what mm -hmm. what are we talking about here? It's scary. Ugh, Heidi, they're know, doing disturbing. it every day legally in abortion clinics, and they're selling the baby's body parts. Something oh, yeah. that is just like so horrific and so horrendous, and it's such yeah. an unpopular topic. Nobody wants to talk about it. But heck, if you find a single cell on Mars, it's life. You know, let's uh, <laughs> and, uh, make sure we put it in a petri dish and get it to grow. You are so you are so true. You, you know, question for you. And this is the topic that I cover. And I know that you guys, I, I've had some communications uh, with our groups on, online with Facebook. Huh. How do you categorize the hat man? Wh what have you come across and, and the people that have experienced them? Uh, how do you categorize the hat man, what he's up to and who he is? Um, hat man, uh, I think uh, I've been thinking about this for a long time like you have. Yeah. We find that period costumes, outfits, or whatever, because we have the ones that are shaped like Oscar, you know, the trophy, not the grouch. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you, you just see head and shoulders. You don't see, uh, you know, a collar, a cuff, a hairline. You don't see long hair when you see a lot of them. 
And then we suspect it might be humans, but I think when they're darker in a dark room, they are human minions of, you know, Satan. Where did Anton LaVey go when he passed away and entered into the next life? He's helping his demonic masters bring down probably, you know, relatives that came from his family tree or in the house or temple that he worked in, you know, so they, they're working behind the scenes. They're not going to hell at this time. They're getting pulled directly out or never went mm-hmm. there with. But yeah, I think that, you know, I said, uh, you know, what would we see if we saw the three stooges? We see three men, you know, see Curly with his bowler hat, you know, and these hair, these hats, these uh, fedoras. Um, yeah. I think that some of them has to do with period hats, uh, you know, um, uh, but you would be more suspecting if it had something to do with some dark cult, you know, like the hat man. You remember the the voodoo, they, they wear a top hat. Now, you might be relating, to, uh, you know, to a case that uh, is actually has voodoo involved, or it could be something with the people involved uh, aren't cursed by voodoo as much as maybe a member of the family uh, was, you know, their parents were. Maybe well, it's a line or whatever. Maybe it was... But the know. glowing red eyes when when oh, the, they, when he does show his eyes the glowing red eyes yeah that solidifies a cult anytime you see glowing glowing red eyes on it yeah. that's it's a cult and that would be voodoo some of the darker black magic Satanism not necessarily what people call uh, Wicca and that sort of thing oh, but yeah. he'll introduce himself sometimes as uh, as scratch the the old Norse term for the devil I yeah it's and it's terrible. It, yeah, we could Terrible. we should talk longer about this topic. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's disturbing stuff and um wow does he hate me. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it's been a negative thing every time except for the rare case where it was it seemed like a ghost, but that one's when it had period clothes on. And it yeah. was just like you weren't seeing it very very it wasn't pitch black and silhouette so much even. It wasn't darker yeah. than the dark room when it was we consider a ghost. Because mm-hmm. you don't look like yourself when you're helping the minions, unless they're having you portray, portray that masquerade, like, "Oh, I'm a child and misses his mommy." We have scary stuff. Well, we've yeah. got less than a minute. I want to give you guys a chance to put out your information if you got any events going on or how people could reach out to you. All right, um, YouTube. We have our uh, our archives of our show. The real deals is on uh, YouTube.com/slash The Real Deals. And that's also how you can find us on Twitter, too, twitter.com slash The Real Deals or at The Real Deals. CatholicDemonologist.com is where you find our books. SwordToStStMichael.org is, is in a work in progress. You can check that out later on. And, of course, TheRealDeals.com will uh, uh, take you to our radio and our TV page. We don't do radio anymore. Now we just do uh, live broadcasts like Facebook, right. YouTube. All right. Live. Well, I want to... I want to thank you guys for coming on. Uh, we've got to wrap this show already. This went fast. There was so much to talk about, but you two hold the line so we could chat a little bit more after the show here. But right. thank you so much for coming on, Farah, Ken. Thank Deal. you, Heidi. Yes, this is a lot of fun. Bless you. Right. God bless. bless you, too. All right, you guys. We've come to the bottom of another cool show. Remember, you can catch me here every Friday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern. You've been listening to me, Heidi Hollis, The Outlander. Remember, always if it's weird, we're here. Good night, everybody.